We're on an eight-week series called The Searching Heart. We have things in common. We all go to sleep. We all eat. We all drink. We also have some desires in common. And this is what the series is about, is that our heart searches for different things. And when we mention these things that our heart automatically searches for, involuntarily, uh, it goes clear across the room. So as my heart is searching for these things, I can look at you and say, you know, your heart is searching for these things as well. And I can be confident in regards to your heart is searching for these things. But it's not only you guys, everybody in this world, unbelievers. Yeah, our heart is searching for these things as well. You go across the globe, the heart is searching for these things as well. In Vietnam, in Russia, our heart is searching for these things. The other thing we could do is we can go back 6,000 years and we can see writings that took place 6,000 years ago. And as you look at these writings, it's like, oh, they're the same people we are. In fact, after 6,000 years, their heart is still searching for those things, and I completely relate with that. So what takes place is when we're looking at these different subjects, we're thinking our heart is automatically searching for these things, and as our heart is searching for these things, we can ask the question, why? We can also ask the question, what does our Creator say about it? What does the Bible say about it? He's the one that put us together, and if he put us together to all eat, to all sleep, to all function the way we function, and then he's given us all these desires that we have in common, why are those things in there? What does the Bible say about it? A couple of the ones we've talked about is we all want an identity, whether we are Christians or not, whether we believe in evolution or God, we want an identity, and it's unacceptable not to have an identity, and we'll do everything we possibly can to receive an identity as we're walking on this earth, even if we believe nothing is going to take place after we die. We all search for love, every single one of us, clear across the globe, go back 6,000 years. Everybody is searching for love. It's inside of us. In fact, it messes us up if we don't get it. And then last week, we talked about the concept of money. <laughs> Can we go across the globe and say, well, not, we search for money in America, but they don't search for money in, in Vietnam or Russia or you know, Africa. Absolutely not. We're all searching for this. So, so what does the Bible say about it? One we're going to look at today is the heart searches for beauty. The heart searches for beauty. It is inside of us. It is a longing. It is a push. It is a desire to be beautiful. Now, when you think about this word beauty, our culture says, oh boy, half of us get a check out. All the men get a check out today and we don't need to listen. And the women, we're going to talk about the women because, you know, in regards to beauty, but that's, that's, that's not correct. You know, even if you look at the definition, it does talk about beautiful women just because of the way that we were designed. In fact, the definition is like a beautiful woman is, is, is a description inside of the definition when you look at beauty. It seems like that always comes up. But it does mean men as well. And you guys could say, oh, I'm offensive to use me in the concept of beauty. Well, what does beauty mean? Beauty means the harmony of form, color, proportion, shape, authenticity, and originality. Well, I hate to say it, but men, are you uh, focused on your harmony of form? <laughs> Are you focused on your proportion? Sometimes when we get out of proportion a little bit, we're like, you know, this is not good. So it does apply uh, as well. Why? Because we want to look this certain way. Why do we want to look this certain way? Why is this in us? Why is this taking place? Number two, the heart searches for beauty because it wants to be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised. I raised two daughters. I raised two daughters, and if you raised daughters or if you have grandkids, I think that this is all going to come in common, is there's something called princess dresses. I don't know if you know that term or not, 
But what happens when they're young and they're little tiny kids, they put on these princes' dresses, and what they love to do is they love to twirl in these princes' dresses. And they love to twirl in front of who? In front of dad, in front of mom. And as they're twirling, what's, what's taking place in their heart? Dad, do you see me? Dad, am I adored? Dad, do you recognize me? Dad, am I beautiful? And as I'm sitting there watching my daughters twirl, my young daughters twirl, I'm like, oh, you're absolutely gorgeous. And you can almost see it in their emotions that, oh, thank you. Whenever I say gorgeous, it's like they lift their shoulders up. Oh, you're absolutely gorgeous. And they just keep on going. And then they go faster and faster and faster. It is inside of us to be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised. It is inside of us. We're going to look at one specific passage. And when we talk about beauty, we can go a lot of different directions look at one specific passage, and it's going to talk about women, but don't worry, everybody applies with men as well. And as we work through this specific passage, uh, we're going to see why our heart searches for beauty, and then we're going to see what Jesus says about beauty. Let's look at the specific passage found in Proverbs 31, 30. Charm is deceitful, and beauty is vain, but a woman who fears the Lord shall be praised. Now we can just look at that in its context, and many people have taken it many different directions. Beauty is bad. Don't you see it? It's deceitful. Beauty is horrible. You see it? It's vain. And we can take that verse, and we can really turn it into something that's really ugly, something that's really not nice. But that's not what the verse is communicating. What the verse is communicating is that beauty is powerful, strong, Be careful with it. Beauty carries a power. Be careful with it. The heart that's searching with beauty is moving in a direction. Be very, very careful with it. Because remember what you want. You want to be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised. And we desire that so much. And there could be things that beauty can take you a different direction than what God has planned. So let's just look look at the verse. Go through it says, beauty is deceptive. That's what the verse says. Charm is deceitful. I'm just using beauty, charm, same thing, is deceitful. What does it mean? It's deceptive. It lies to you. Beauty lies to you. Remember what we want? We want to be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised. But let me ask you a question. By who? By who? We want to be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised, but by who? Just look at this. A, it deceives women. This is how it's deceiving. It deceives women by thinking that they will get what they want because of their good appearance. In other words, they would be noticed, adored, delighted in, and praised. And the power of getting that is by my specific appearance. But is that correct? You know the term, you catch what you bait. And I talk to my daughters all the time, is you marry who you are. Therefore, what do you want to do? If you want to catch a good Christian, what do you do? You be a good Christian because those are the people that are attracted to you. Do you want to catch an, uh, an unselfish person? Well, the way you do it if you're not married is you be an unselfish person and that person will go towards you. Do you want to be, catch a generous man? Well, you bait your hook with being generous. I'm going to be completely generous. Therefore, that is what is going to be attracted to you. Do you want to catch a caring person? Well, then what you do is that you're, you care. You have a heart of compassion. You have a heart of commitment. You have a heart of love. And all of a sudden, what takes place is those people start being 
attracted to you. But do you want to catch a pervert? Well, then you dress like one. <laughs> do you see what takes place? Is if, you, if the power of beauty has been warped by sin, but never forget that it carries a power. Do you want to catch someone that looks at other girls? Well, then all you have to do is bait those kind of guys. And if you're on the beach being half naked and somebody walks up to you, a man walks up to you and says, let me introduce myself to you, guaranteed that he's looked at every single other girl before he showed up to you, you didn't stick out. But see, that's what happens. We take beauty and we use its power to get what? Praise. To get what? Adoration. To get what? Recognition. But it says whatever you use its power for, you're going to catch it. You want to catch someone that will use you? Being loose is, is there. And they'll show up. Do you want to catch someone that is shallow? Show your skin. I'll tell you, every person, every male, loses their mind when skin takes place. Just to let you know. And you're going to get the most shallow person in the world if a person is half-dressed. That's just what takes place. Men go really shallow, and their minds completely disappear when that takes place. And all the shallow people will show up and say, here I am. Let's uh, date. Let's walk. Let's talk together. No, you're catching the wrong people. Beauty is absolutely powerful. But the question is, who do you want to catch? And you've got to be extremely, extremely careful with it. Because who we catch is what's going to take place could end up destroying us. Letter B doesn't only deceive women, it deceives men by thinking that they will get an amazing girl because of a woman's appearance. Beauty is deceptive. It tells us lies. It tells women's lies, but it also tells men's lies. One lie, or one proverb that I think is the best proverb in the entire Bible. I just love it. In fact, there's 800 proverbs, and this is one that I, I, I have memorized and I hold on to a lot, and I think about it a lot. Proverbs 11:22, like a gold ring and a pig snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. You look at that boy, why is that such an interesting Proverbs? What does it mean? Let me tell you what it means. A gold ring and a pig's snout. You know what takes place, have you ever seen a bull? You put a ring in a bull's mouth, and when you put a ring in the bull's mouth, you can control the bull. In fact, it's a huge animal, 2,000, 2,500 pounds of an animal. But you can take two fingers, and you can grab a hold inside of the, the bull's nose, and you can just lead him wherever you want him to go. I have cows. In fact, I have seven cows right now. And as we have seven cows, I tell you that we do work a lot with our cows. And there was a time that one of my cows got really, really sick. And as he got sick, I tell you, he was in the pasture, and you can see the snot just completely pouring out of his nose. And I mean, you're talking gallons and gallons and gallons of snot. So what, is I, what do I do as a rancher? I call, I call my uh, um, vet, and I say, hey, you need to come out, and you need to take care of this cow because something's wrong with him. And of course, we looked at him and was like, oh my goodness, look at the snot. He goes, we need to give him an antibiotic. And so the vet says, Mike, what I want you to do is I want you to put your finger in the cow's nose with all that snot, and I want you to squeeze it. I want you to lift the cow head up because you completely control it. Their eyes go back, and they're just completely paralyzed. And then he takes a needle and gives him a shot, and then I put the cow down. It's like, oh, it's perfect. And he says, I also want you to give a shot in the next couple of days as well. Here's a needle, here's a syringe, give it in the next couple of days. So sure enough, a couple of days pass, and it's time for me to give the shot. I can't lift up the head and give the shot at the same time. So I give my wife, and I say, honey, could you come out and you, can you help me? 
And uh, she walks out into this barn and she looks at this cow. And I'll tell you, it is gallons and gallons of snot that's coming out of this nose. And I said, do you want to poke with a needle or do you want to stick your hands into that snot, grab the nose and lift up the head? And she says, <laughs> I will um, do the needle. <laughs> okay, I'll do the snot. I'm the one that owns the cows. I'll do the snot. So sure enough, I put my hand in there and I lift it up. The eyeballs go back into his head. and He's completely paralyzed. I go, all right, hon, just stick the needle in there. And she takes the needle and she pushes on the butt and it wasn't going in. And she's like, it just, it doesn't go in. It's too hard. I said, be careful. You're going to break the needle in there. She said, it's not going in. It's not going in. I said, honey, switch places. You grab the nose, I'll get the needle in. We switch places. I'll never forget the beauty of my wife's little wife, petite wife, sticking her little hands into that nose, snot completely covering her hand, and then she lifts up this head that's bigger than her torso, and she lifts it up over her head, and guess where all this snot is going? It's just going right down on top of her. And I'm like, ah, oh, this is not good. I take the needle fast. I stick the needle. I poke the needle in there. And I pull the needle out. And I look at her after she puts a cow's head down. I said, are you all right? <laughs> she says, no, I don't know if I should kill you or the cow. <laughs> Let's look at this verse again. Like a gold ring in a pig's snout is a beautiful woman who shows no discretion. The gold ring. Look at the beautiful woman on the beach. Look at she's not wearing half anything. And what happens if people are drawn to her? They're thinking, look at that gold ring in a pig's snout. This one is gold. It is not silver. It is not copper. It is gold. It is beautiful. And if I could just grab that ring and I can pull her towards me, I tell you, my dreams have come true. My life has no more problems. Everything is good. But that verse says, the gold ring pulling towards you, you're going to get nothing but what? According to that verse, the hog. Or, I mean, that's rough. Or the cow. And what that means is drama, issues, stress, anger, hate, jealousy. But do you see what our culture is doing? Our culture is obsessed with Ah, this is what will make me happy. This is what will do it. And beauty carries that power. And men are even warped into thinking, well, this is what I need to be happy when it comes to, you know, gorgeous women and those things. But according to this passage, absolutely not. According to pornography, absolutely not. Because when you pull it towards you, nothing but snot is going to come. Nothing but drama. Adultery. If somebody in this room is contemplating adultery, you're going after a gold ring. But what does this adultery do? Talked about people who committed adultery, it's very little sex, and a whole bunch of drama that takes place. That's what happens. See, God's plan works. But when beauty can be completely warped, and when it's powerful, it can be used to get something you do not want. Beauty is deceptive, it lies. The other thing about the verse is beauty is vain. Number four, what does the word vain mean? Beauty lacks substance. It lacks worth. That's what the word vain means. What does that mean? Letter A, beauty doesn't make a relationship better. Don't take notes, and I really encourage you not to do this. But if you go home this afternoon and say, hey, let's make our relationship better. Let's talk about beauty. I tell you what response you're going to get. What are you saying? I'm not beautiful? What, what, what are you thinking? What's, what's going on in your mind? I said, no, no, I want to say that. We're just going to talk about beauty. Well, why? Do you have an issue with me? 
No, do you have an issue with me? All of a sudden, you got to fight. You don't fix anything when it comes in regards to beauty. And people that will come into the office and look for counseling and those things, beauty is, is not mentioned. Everything else is, but beauty is not mentioned. Because what? There's no substance that's going to make a better relationship. In fact, beauty with a warped design has destroyed relationships, thinking that there's a beauty outside that could be there. Therefore, my mind goes that direction. Do you see what's taking place? Is that beauty can drive and destroy relationships more than make them, more than build them. Let her be. Beauty doesn't make you any better. The more beautiful you get, the more critical you get, the more obsessed that you get, the more desire that you get. When you come to eating disorders, somebody that has an eating disorder, it's like, I am not thin enough, and the whole world's looking at you and say, just put something in your mouth. But yet it's a disease, an obsession that takes place. Do you see that Satan has literally taken the power of beauty and is using it to destroy people? But when it was created in its perfect state, it was not that way at all. Beauty is deceptive. Beauty is vain. But number five, let's look at how Jesus walks into this. The person who fears the Lord will get everything that beauty, what we think beauty has to offer us, will be noticed, will be adored, delighted in, and praised. I want to just give you a little bit of history in regards to beauty. History that started in the, during the creation of the, the universe, even before the creation of the universe, because there was an angel that was named Lucifer, and he had a beautiful appearance. In fact, he was the most beautiful one that was in heaven. And I will tell you, let's look at this passage. Ezekiel 28, 12. You were a model full of perfection. Talking about Lucifer. Full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone adorned you. Ruby, the topaz, the emerald, the chrysolite, the onyx, the jasper, the sapphire, the turquoise, and the beryl. Your settings and mountings were made of gold. On the day you were created, they were prepared. Your heart became proud on account of your beauty, and you corrupted your wisdom because of your splendor. So I threw you to the earth, and I made a spectacle of you before kings. Why did Lucifer fall? Lucifer fall because he knew that he was beautiful. And beauty carried power. And what took place? It went into the inside of him. And when it went to inside of him, it boiled him with pride. It boiled him with recognition. Beauty is a source of being noticed. Beauty is a source of being adored. Beauty is a source of being delighted. Beauty is the source of being praised. And Lucifer took it. But what does it say? I'm going to make a spectacle of him. Make a spectacle of Lucifer. So what did he do? Spectacle in front of all the kings. He throws him down to earth for the purpose of destroying him. How does Jesus Christ destroy Satan? Just interested in Isaiah chapter 53. In Isaiah chapter 53, we see um, what God's mission is for mankind, and we also see what God's mission is for Lucifer and Satan. It gives a complete description of the Jesus that is going to come to earth years before he even came. And what did this Jesus look like? Isaiah 53, 2 says, He grew up before him like a tender shoot, and like a root out of dry ground, Jesus, this is he speaking of, Jesus had no beauty or majesty to attract us to him. 
What did he look like? No beauty or majesty to attract us to him. And then if he didn't get that, he continues to repeat himself. Nothing in his appearance that we should desire him. What did Jesus look like? Well, let's ask the definition of beauty again. Did Jesus have harmony of form in his appearance? Did Jesus have color? Did Jesus have proportion? Did Jesus have shape? Did Jesus have authenticity and originality, if you look at those, those pieces of it? It says, he grew up like a tenor shoot, no beauty or majesty to attract him, nothing in his appearance that we should recognize him. Hollywood cannot produce a movie without giving us a gorgeous Jesus. They can't. Have you ever watched a movie on Jesus? They cannot produce a movie, and the reason why is because it will not sell, because we are obsessed with beauty. But Jesus came for a purpose. And do you know what the purpose he came for? He came for the purpose of destroying the pride of beauty. Everything that Lucifer wanted, Jesus says, I am not going to be so I can take the recognition off of yourself and put it on where? Put it on God. Therefore, Jesus left heaven, as beautiful as could be, left heaven, came to earth, and lived as a simple man, and according to this passage, did not have the appearance that we would even be attracted to him, yet he was God. Lived a perfect life, died in our stead. And after he died, he rose again so we can have the salvation and stand in front of the holy God, the holy of holies, the most beautiful, magnificent God that we could ever possibly imagine. This was Jesus' mission. Isaiah 23, the Lord of hosts has planned it to defile the pride of all beauty and to despise all the honored on earth so your mind will only be focused on one thing, the fear of the Lord. The fear of the Lord. And if you are talking about beauty, if you are obsessed with getting something, the fear of the Lord is a, spot, is a process to go after it. If you are obsessed, because we all are, to be noticed, adored, delighted, and praised, this verse gives you a source. The fear of the Lord will give you everything you've ever desired. The fear of the Lord is the center of everything that you want, everything that you desire, and beauty is very deceptive when it comes to that and will distract you. Beauty is very vain and will distract you, but the fear of the Lord is your answer. Fear of the Lord. What, the, what is the fear of the Lord? We've talked about this before, and I don't want to go heavy on it, but the fear, there's three different fears out there. There's a fear of wonder, fear of respect, and the fear of terror. The fear of the Lord is a combination of all three of those. So let's look at them. Fear of the Lord is what? Stand in awe of God's glory. This is the fear of the Lord. I'm going to stand in awe of God's glory. I'll tell you what happens when somebody stands in awe of God's glory. You know what takes place to the man? You know what takes place to the woman who stands in awe of God's glory? He is alive. He is strong. He is passionate. He is fearless. He is motivated. He's driven. He's full. She's full. And he's, she is complete. How would you like to be married to somebody like that? How would you like to be married to somebody like that? Are you somebody like that. See what this passage is doing? Is don't get distracted in regards to beauty. Stay focused because remember you bait your hook with what you're going to catch. 
Therefore, fear the Lord. Be strong, be fearless, be happy, be full, be driven, be alive, and this is the source of it. Fear the Lord also means stand in awe of his will, and this would be the fear of respect. What are the characteristics of standing in awe of God's will? What's going to come out of you? What's going to pour out of you? This is what's going to pour out of you. God's will. I love it. What is it? You'll all of a sudden be a loving person. You'll be a loyal, sacrificial, compassionate person. You cannot hang out with God and see that he is, has those characteristics. You can't do it. You cannot fear God and not see those characteristics come out of God. And as you're standing in awe of his will, I will tell you that they're going to go towards you. Loyal, loving, sacrificial, and compassionate. Let her see, stand in the awe of God's justice. This is the fear of terror. It's like, well, I don't want to be a fear of terror, talk about terror. God you know, only talks about fear. It's not like he's going to just tear me apart. It's, that's not the way it is. Well, there's some passages in Scripture that are, carry some power, carry some weight. Forgive or you'll not be forgiven. It's terrifying. That's, that's terrifying. It is. Forgive and you will not be forgiven. Be committed. And if you don't, everything's going to be destroyed. I mean, it's terrifying. Even if God's not the one that gives you the discipline, it's terrifying to see what takes place when commitment doesn't happen. One who fights sin, we bring parasites into our marriage. As we bring parasites into our marriage, what does it do? It literally destroys from the inside out. The fear of the Lord is, I've got to remove these because I want to be whole. One who fights addiction, it's just going to happen. These things are going to happen off the center of the fear of the Lord. And beauty can be attractive in a sense of getting you off track and off a different direction. So just to summarize the sermon, beautiful, beauty is powerful. Be extremely careful with it because it deceives you to think that it is a source that will make you notice the door delighted in and praised. It will convince you that it is substance, but yet it is vain. But the person who fears the Lord is the heart of everything you need to be, is the heart of everything you want, and you'll attract everything to you that you want to be attracted to you. Therefore, fear the Lord rather than be a hunger for beauty, have a hunger for beauty. Father, we just thank you, God, for, for Jesus not being beautiful. We thank you, God, that you've destroyed the pride of beauty. And God, you've destroyed the pride of beauty, therefore all of us can look up and say, we are absolutely gorgeous in your sight. God, I just pray that that will be our focus, that we would fear you, God, above all else, that we love you above all else, and we want nothing more than just you, God, above all else. Make us powerful people, and God, knowing that that is a source that we will be powerful, help us to drive towards that. We love you in Christ's name. Amen.